0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver, Loaded Show, and I do mean Loaded Show, on tap for tonight, NFL. College football, Major League Baseball, NBA. We got the whole package for you, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to have to just strap in, get you know, get ready to go. This is going to be a fun show. There's no question about it. Obviously going to lead off with the terrible news that Joe Burrow is out for the season. I'll lead the show off with that in just, in literally just a minute. Also getting into Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. Why I do not believe Lamar Jackson is in the MVP discussion right now. But he can be because of something that happened last night. I'll get into that. Also, Draymond Green, I talked at length on carving up the context about that on Wednesday, about how Draymond Green uh, got into the scuffle with Rudy Gobert and, and the context behind that. Well, Draymond's punishment was handed down the other day. Five-game suspension. I'll tell you why in about 25 to 30 minutes why that is the right decision, but why still? Like this notion that the Warriors need to move on from Draymond, that is absurd, and I will get into that later on the show, as well as the Volview. The second-to-last, very bittersweet, the second-to-last episode or edition of The Vol View. Tennessee versus Georgia, the number one team in America, comes to Neyland Stadium, comes to Knoxville. How on earth can Tennessee pull an upset? I will tell you how in about 30 to 45 minutes. Also, going to get into Otani Watch, our brand-new segment we introduced last week about Shohei Otani and the quest, at least by this show, at least by me, to get Shohei to the Red Sox. And new reports from an esteemed insider seem to indicate that, yeah, Otani's strongly considering Old Beantown as a potential destination along with the Dodgers. So I'll get to that. And of course, the end of the show week 11 NFL predictions. We have got some fantastic matchups. I feel amazing about if I were a betting man, I feel great. It's kind of an oxymoron to say Bryce's bleak bet. I feel great about it. That's kind of the point of it being a segment. Uh, And then of course my upset of the week, got a lot of stuff to get into today, but first, so (laughs) last night, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what Thursday Night football struck again. It is it is remarkable. The, the 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 only I should say the only good game. One of the only good games. One of the only good games of the Thursday night football schedule happened to be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Big time AFC North clash. me, as a Steelers fan, there's a heightened sense of of anticipation for this one. Like, what does this mean for Pittsburgh? If the Bengals can pull it off against the Ravens and we beat the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, obviously I'll predict that game later in the show. All of a sudden. My Steelers are in first place the division, and you know that wasn't even getting to the fact that if Kansas City lost to Philly, then Pittsburgh's the one seed somehow at the AFC. But this is not about it, Pittsburgh. This is about the Cincinnati Bengals who lost the game, lost the quarterback, and their season is obviously over. That goes the same because it was reported today that Joe Burrow is out for the season with a with a torn uh, with, with a tear in his wrist. Uh, uh, the ligaments torn his wrist. So he's done for the season, which just sucks because I had talked at length over the last few weeks that now with Burrow healthy, he looked, the calf looks good. He had the bye week. He looked amazing. It's one of the defensive football in San Francisco. Played well the last week uh, against the Houston Texans and comes into this week against Baltimore, riding high. Bengals are playing good football, playing complimentary football, playing a brand of football that is frankly. Sustainable in the postseason, as we've seen. And now he's done for the season, which is very unfortunate. So there is a lot of second-guessing. And I can be guilty of that at times. I mean, we live in this social media, Twitter, instant reaction culture where you have to shift one way or the other wherever the tide falls or wherever the tide rolls, so to speak. I'm not going to do that, and here's why. The notion that the Bengals should have sat Burrow for this game or that Joe should not have played this game at all because we see he's that the report came out hours, mere hours before the game kicked off where Joe Burrow and and the, the picture of him getting off the plane. He's got the, the wrapping around his wrist and around his hand. It looks a little suspicious. Okay. There's obviously something there. Of course, second quarter, He's unable to even grip the football in a throwing motion. And so that point, you know, it is, is a very bad situation for Cincinnati. I'm going to defend the Bengals. I'm going to defend Joe Burrow in particular. First of all, for Joe Burrow, I say, I'll i say the same thing about him that I said about Tua when a far more serious injury, or rather multiple far more serious injuries happened last year when Tua had the concussion problem. I said, listen, I'm not going to get on Tua. Tua is an athlete. Athletes want to play. Whatever. I mean, a lot of the times, especially if it's a great athlete, and Burrow no question constitutes that. He's a great athlete. He's a great quarterback. Is that when you get to that level, especially we you're talking about Joe Burrow, Ohio State transfer wasn't all that good. If you look at his numbers, his first year at LSU, and then 2019, he blows up, throws 60 touchdowns, wins the Heisman, LSU wins the Natty. He gets drafted number one overall Cincinnati, but then the Bengals are terrible. It's a bad organization that he inherits. And, of course, you look at the Bengals now, which prior to Burrow going down, I think all of us, at least most of us would agree that Bengals were a very, very real, real threat in the AFC. When you go through the trials and the tribulations, when you go through the adversity that Burrow, as well as every athlete, especially professional athlete, that's ever walked the planet has gone through, there's a chip on your shoulder. There's a... With any successful person. When you work from the gutter to the top, you're always kind of looking over your shoulder. It's not necessarily an insecurity thing. It's a there's always somebody coming after my spot. Now, nobody's coming after Joe Burrow's spot unless the guy's name is Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's coming after Joe Burrow's spot as the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Hey, nobody's coming after Kenny Pickett's spot in Pittsburgh for the time being, at least. But that's in you as an athlete. So I get Burrow playing. For the record, he was, until he went down, Burrow was playing pretty well. I mean, the play the, the play he got hurt on was a touchdown pass, or at least the the, the, very, the very last play on the drive. was a touchdown pass, but Joe Burrow in the limit it actually got had a pass rating of 100. So he was playing well against the number one scoring defense in the National Football League. Was spreading around to Joe Mixon, to Jamar Chase. Again, this is without T Higgins. I did pick Cincinnati to, to win this game. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes you do get a re-aggravation of an injury. As for the Bengals, I defend them in the sense that, well, Bryson, t- timeout, Bryson. You said back in week one. Not week one, week three, four, first month of the season. Week three, when they beat the Los Angeles Rams. Remember that game, Monday Night Football, very ugly game. They beat the Rams. It was kind of a defensive battle. Joe didn't play particularly well, but played, gutted it out through a calf injury and all. And I came on this show, came on th- this studio, this table, this camera, this set, this microphone, and said, Joe needs to sit the next month because they had an upcoming game. Uh, they had upcoming games against Tennessee, against gets Arizona, and it gets Seattle. I said I think they can get out of this at two and four, or potentially three and three at best, but probably two and four. And I said, get Burrow a month off, get the calf right because at the end of the day, Cincinnati Bengals' best chance to win a Super Bowl is if Joe Burrow is healthy. We've seen him get to a Super Bowl with an awful offensive line. We saw him get to a, an AFC title game last year with a beat up offensive line. We've seen his greatness at the highest level. You want him healthy. You say, Well, Bryson, why does that not apply to this? Why aren't you keeping the same energy with the hand injury? Simply put, it's a matter of time, it's a matter of circumstance. The calf injury happened initially in training camp. Remember that video? I literally showed on this show. He goes down, it's non-contact. We're freaking out. Oh my god, how how hurt is Burrow? Turns out it's not like season ending, it's not season threatening. But the Bengals put him out there in week one against Cleveland, who they were probably going to lose to, even with a healthy Burrow, because Burrow struggles badly, historically at least, against the Cleveland Browns. Early in the season, the Bengals started 0-2 last year, made the conference title game, and lost by three. Like, this wasn't a situation where the Bengals got to get off to a hot start. Their schedule's brutal early. No, schedule actually wasn't terrible early. They had the Rams in there, and they had Tennessee, Arizona, Seattle, who they have a matchup advantage over. There's a lot of winnable games in that schedule, even without Joe Burrow. It was this part of a schedule that they needed him healthy for. Again, beyond air, this just adds to the fact that the Bengals' season is very obviously over. They have my Steelers, Jaguars, Colts, Vikings, my Steelers again, Chiefs, Browns. They'll be lucky to get out of the season seven and ten, unless obviously they upgrade quarterback, which I don't know how they'll be able to do. Nothing gets Jake Browning, but the only guy available is Joe Flacco and the Browns, who are in 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 a, a bad of a situation as you could possibly be with losing their starting quarterback, they said, nah, we'll pass on Joe Flacco's services. So I don't think the Bengals are getting an upgrade over Jake Browning the rest of the season. It's week 11. This is a potential season-defining game in terms of your ability to compete for the AFC North title. You need a healthy Joe Burrow. If you don't have a healthy Joe Burrow, you'll take whatever Joe Burrow you can get. In this case, unfortunately, it was a Joe Burrow with an injured wrist. Of course, it sucks. I mean, it, it reminds me of the Kevin Durant situation against Toronto. Kevin Durant had an injured uh, Achilles area. Again, they call it a calf. It was very clearly an Achilles. He tore it not long after. Again, he iced. I remember those videos that come out from KD, and he had the ice like really, really low on his calf, far closer to the Achilles than the calf. I'm like, eh, that's kind of suspicious. And, of course, KD, unfortunately, after playing great, by the way, to start Game 5 of the finals that year against Toronto, there went the Achilles. Very similar with Joe Burrow. He's playing well, spreading the ball around, Completion percentage good, pass ratings over 100. And it just goes. It's unfortunate, but for Cincinnati and their defense, they're thinking, okay, short week, Baltimore, prominent not going to put a, game, a crazy great game plan in place because it is a short week, not a lot of hitting in practice. Just get through it, see if we can beat Baltimore to beat up Joe Burrow, and guess what we get? A mini bye week. Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Then he got the week leading up to the, the, the Bengals game against Pittsburgh which we know is a very physical environment, very physical defense. It didn't work. Do I blame them for trying it though? Do I blame Burrow for playing? I don't. This is not the equivalent of the calf injury. First of all, a calf, and we listen torn ligaments in the wrist, obviously means if you're, if you're a quarterback, you're, you're done for. Really, if you play any position other than kicker, you're, you're done for for the season. But we know how threatening that can, an Achilles injury can be. We've seen it to Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it to Kirk Cousins this season. I think we saw it to no, Daniel Jones, I think, towards ACL, if I'm not mistaken. We've seen it happen with, with multiple players this season. Cam Akers towards Achilles again for the Minnesota Vikings. Stuff happens. You know what happens, so to speak. The Bengals tried to survive this game with an injured burrow, and it didn't work. Now, for Cincinnati moving forward, again, I, I don't know. Obviously, we've done past the trade deadline. That guy Dobbs is in Minnesota now. And and in Cincinnati's defense, it isn't like they're like Cleveland where, okay, Deshaun has a bad injury here. So, although you could argue, you could argue. Time out. Cle- uh, uh, Joe Burrow has a pretty lengthy injury history himself. Matter of fact, every season has been in the league, he's been injured. Tore multiple knee ligaments in 2020. His rookie season, 2021. Uh, actually, I don't think he dealt with any injuries that I'm aware of in 2021, 2022, had the appendectomy, uh, th- this year you got the calf. Now you got the wrist. Like Joe Burrow has been a little bit injury prone in his career, which is by the way, props to Joe on getting his money. Like you get, it's like Trayvon Diggs got his money month later, two months later, tore his ACL. Thank God. Trayvon Diggs got paid. Yeah. That's like the way these athletes trying and get the bag as quickly as possible. Cause you never know what could happen. But for Cincinnati, you try and get through the season. The AFC North is obviously the most brutal division in football. Now with Burrow, the, bank, the Bengals are very, very, very clearly the worst team in that division. Cleveland is not in a much better place at quarterback, be it with DTR or be it with with uh, uh, the, the other guy they have there, um, P.J. Walker. But Cleveland has arguably the best defensive football and arguably the best or second best defensive player in football and a smart coach and a good running game and good weapons and a great offensive line. Cleveland's fine. Meanwhile, Cincinnati has Jamar Chase, an aging Joe Mixon, and a Hurt T. Higgins. And that's about it. Defensive lines injured. Secondary really struggled last night against the likes of Baltimore's receivers. And nothing against Zach Taylor. I don't think he's as good of a head coach as Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski won coach of the year not that long ago. So Pittsburgh's clearly better. Baltimore, we saw in this season, they swept Cincinnati. They're better. So you get through the rest of the season if you're the Bengals. In this off season, and this offseason, and in and the Bengals' defense, they tried to do this the past offseason. It hasn't worked terribly well. They're going to get a high pick, take an offensive lineman. I'm not up to date on the draft prospects in terms of left tackle or interior lineman guards, centers. But whoever the best guy is on the board at that point, take him. Take him. By, by the way, that's what, if you remember the Dallas Cowboys early in Tony Romo's career. Remember Romo became famous for all the uh, moving in and out of the pocket, making these circus plays, kind of like a, basically like Russell Wilson light. Remember Russell became famous for those uh, unscripted plays in Seattle. It's kind of Tony did that a lot early in his career in Dallas. Part of that was by necessity because his offensive line sucked. So what did Dallas do? They spent three straight drafts or really four of uh, four or five drafts uh, or three or four drafts uh, addressing the offensive line. Took Tyron Smith in 2011. Uh, They took Travis Frederick in 2013. They took Zach Martin in 2014. Heck, by the way, they're doing the same thing with Dak. They took Tyler Smith last year in the draft. A lot of these moves, Zach Martin, everybody won Johnny Menzel. They went Zach Martin. He's going to Canton. Johnny Menzel was out of the league in two years for unfortunate circumstances. Same with Tyler Smith. He's played pretty well. Putting an emphasis on offensive line, it matters. I don't know which play Joe Burrow got hurt in. Clearly, he got hurt in the Texans game, I would assume, unless it was just in practice. Obviously, that's why he had the wrap the his, on his hand, or in his wrist area, coming off the plane last night, or two nights ago, rather. Stuff happens. You try to survive this game. You couldn't. It, it, it's kind of like uh, what I like in the difference between the how they treat treat the calf injury and how they treat the hand injury, too. It's kind of like when you, I don't know, if you don't get a great grade on an assignment in the first couple of weeks of the semester in, in school, middle school, high school, college, whatever the case may be. If you don't get a good grade early, eh, make up for it. But if you don't get a great grade at midterms or trust me, speaking for experienced college, this is not getting bad grades, but in college, listen, finals are coming up. Like you're trying to make sure you got all your, your stuff in and, and whatnot, get good getting good grades. You don't you get a you get a, 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 a failing grade, two weeks left to go. Kind of hurts you a little bit, as opposed to if it's in first week of August and you just weren't prepared. That's kind of where the Bengals were at. They could, they could, they could manage to flunk a couple of tests in the first month, two months of the season, September, October. November, they need Burrow. Whatever version of Burrow they can get, they need him. And had they won, heck, had they lost, but Burrow exited the game healthy enough. They had 10 days till the next game against Pittsburgh. You would have assumed at that point he could have gotten healthier. So I I think a lot of this is revisionist history um, in in terms of the reaction to the burrow injury, in terms of how the league's handling it. So I I defend Cincinnati in this regard, not the way I defended them with the calf or didn't defend them at the calf rather, but I defend them with how they handle this. Obviously I defend burrow athletes want to play. Athletes want to play. This is what they were put on this earth to do at least early in their lives as a living is to play sports, to play it at a high level, make a lot of money doing it, help the community, help their families. That's what Joe was trying to do. He's competitive. Unfortunately, his body couldn't hold up. Hate it for the Bengals. Hate it for Burrow. Hate it for the NFL. I mean, he's one of the the premier players of the league. He is, in my mind, undoubtedly the second best quarterback in the league to obviously Mahomes. There's no quarterback I'd take in the NFL over Joe Burrow. None. Even the ones I love. Love Jalen Hurts. Love Trevor Lawrence, although Trevor's not having a great year. Love Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. Justin Herbert wouldn't take them over Burrow. He inherited a mess and got him to a Super Bowl in an AFC title game. His body just didn't hold up this year. So I'm pulling for him. Hopefully a speedy recovery. And uh, listen, I'm a Steelers fan, so it's obviously, does this help the Steelers? Of course it helps the Steelers. We play them twice, likely with Jake Brownie at quarterback. But still, you don't want to see the best players in the league go down. So prayers for Burrow, speedy recovery. And hopefully Cincinnati is able to, to really, not just signing free agent offensive linemen, because the fact of the matter is, if he's a free agent, if the team he was with decided to let him walk. Does that tell you a little bit about maybe they think they have better options? We'll see what Cincinnati does this offseason, but they don't need a receiver. They may lose to Higgins in free agency. They got to chase. They can take a receiver in the third, fourth round. They need to take an offensive lineman with what is going to be a relatively high pick. But that was, I mean, was that not just like a, that was as big of a letdown as you you could ever have. Like, I, I felt like, See, the NFL provides us with – provides shows like mine, provides you, the the, the content uh, listeners and, and viewers, content consumers and the fans and everybody. They provide us with nothing but – Nothing but content. They provide us great games, great storylines. and even the games, the the one o'clock window, like you'll get those two, three games that are one score games, fourth quarter, two minutes to go. they're just crazy. We're trying to keep up with all of them all at once. So the NFL has more than done its fair share of marketing the league and and giving us a great product on a week- to week basis. So the reason I say that is because I feel like I feel like the spoiled kid who um who asked for a who asked for a a, a Mercedes from their multi-millionaire parents and instead got a Buick and they're pissed off about it and they're whining and crying about it, you know, being spoiled brats. That's kind of what I feel like right now. I feel like I feel like a little bit of a brat for complaining that a Thursday night game wasn't good, but you know, it's just Thursday Night Strikes Again. I mean, listen, for the record, and then I'll get into Baltimore and Lamar Jackson in particular, I've always hated Thursday Night Football, all I shouldn't say always. In the last year, I think since the two-a-thing that really you know, I, I, I don't love Thursday. Players will tell you it's they're not ready to go physically for Thursday night football. Uh, obviously, you played on Sunday. It's a physical game, three, three and a half hours long. Uh, yeah, by the way, suit up four days or three, four days later for another three and a half hour long physical battle. So I get why players don't like it. I can't imagine the, the, the fans love it. The product isn't as good as it is on Sundays or Mondays or Saturdays once the college football season is over. That's where I'm at on it. That's where I'm at on it. Don't love Thursday night football. I wish they'd, if they want to do like a Friday night, like there's gonna be a black Friday game. This would be the only Thursday night games should be opening weekend, the first game of the year, and then Thanksgiving, which is obviously next Thursday. Like the NFL is doing a black Friday game. Jets and Dolphins next week, week from today. And I, I, I love it. Shake it up a little bit. Try new ideas. Major League Baseball could learn a thing or two from the NFL and from the NBA. Try new stuff. If it works, product is good. Players get an extra day of rest before that game as opposed to Thursday. I don't know. I'm for that becoming maybe a staple. I mean, I know Friday night night is Friday night lights, high school football, I get that, but it's at least worth a shot. To the Ravens. The Ravens did win the game, 34 to 20. Their offense looked fantastic. Lamar Jackson played exceptionally well. A couple touchdown passes, QBR of 70, and a pass rating of 121. Uh, Not to mention he contributed 54 yards rushing. So Lamar was fantastic last night. There's no question about it. And it has been an overwhelmingly good Season for Lamar Jackson with great moments and some stinkers. Last week against the Browns, blowing the double digit lead, but he also has on his resume a home game, a home win against the Detroit Lions, in which the Ravens beat Detroit by 30. We know how good Detroit is. Okay, so Lamar has been overwhelmingly good this season, which is why to this point I would not put him in the MVP discussion. I think CJ Straus's is- is the front runner today. What he inherited, what he's doing as a rookie. I'm hearing people say, and some people were, were commenting. I got a lot of feedback on my, on my, um, my CJ Stroud video that I put up on, on YouTube earlier this week. Feel free to check that out. But a lot of people saying, Hey, you can't give CJ Stroud the MVP. It hasn't been won by a rookie since Jim Brown in 1957. Well, Who says they can't? I mean, is this precedent that we can no longer give MVP to a rookie? That feels a little, a, a little rigid for me. But CJ Stroud to me is the front runner. Uh, I think Dak Prescott a second, and then Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts. Now you get into that discussion. Then you're talking about Mahomes, who hasn't had a Mahomesian year, but you never know when he and that Casey offense could absolutely explode and get going. So a lot of lot of candidates. Uh, if you want to talk about non quarterbacks, Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, all those guys should be in consideration. Well, Lamar Jackson has a very good stat line. 12 touchdown passes, five interceptions, QBR 62. Uh, he's thrown for over 2,400 uh, yards. Uh, th- this season, he is, uh, he's is he got a passer rating. If I can find it here, of 100, right at 100 uh, passer rating. So he's been good. Lamar has been very good this season. Here's the thing, though. You say, Bryce, you're hating on Lamar. Well, first of all, accusing me of hating Lamar is nuts. I've been Lamar's biggest defender out there. I think he's a, fanta- I think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I love Lamar Jackson. So I'm not hating on him, Ravens fans. You're like, oh, he's wearing the Steelers hat. No, always been a Lamar Jackson guy. And But I don't think he's in the MVP discussion today. However, starting next week, oh, you, you darn Skippy can get in the MVP discussion. You look at the Ravens' upcoming schedule, okay? At the Chargers, awful pass defense. They play the Rams. Not a good pass defense themselves. At Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville takes the ball away, but that's Lamar versus Trevor Lawrence. Lamar lost to Trevor last year you remember that? Trevor Lawrence led the team down the field, completed a two-point conversion. This is a a November game in 2022, and out Lamar. Then he got the Niners and the Dolphins and the Steelers to end the season. Some tough games on the schedule for Baltimore the rest of the way. And Lamar, and this is just straight up, this sucks. So many injuries last night. Mark Andrews suffered an ankle injury. He's done for the season. One of the premier tight ends. I think he's the third best in the NFL behind Kelsey and Kittle. I think Mark Andrews is as good as they come. If you look at the numbers, uh, you know, I saw a stat today saying that Lamar and Mark Andrews are a more efficient duo than Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I mean, these, these two are, they came in the league the same year, 2018 Uh, Mark Andrews from Oklahoma, Lamar out of Louisville. I mean, they have, they're, they're like peas and carrots, man. You know, like they're, they just mix together. They, They play well together. They have a great rapport. Mark Andrews done for the season. So Lamar now, without his number one target, a little bit beat up as we saw yesterday. He got hurt early in the game, came back. We saw him at times limping around, a little Jalen Hurts-esque. He's got an opportunity in front of him. In the most brutal division of football, with Pittsburgh and Cleveland on your tail, for the record, both teams have the tiebreaker over you as we sit here today. Baltimore's got to win some games, and it's not going to be easy. You still do play Pittsburgh. You still do play Miami. And the Jaguars and the 49ers. We know how loaded that defense is. But if Lamar can put together great football these next few weeks and say a CJ Stroud, maybe the rookie slump hits him. Maybe Dak Prescott, the Cowboys have a tough schedule. If Dak has a couple of average to below average games in that stretch potentially, if Jared Goff slips off, if Jalen Hurts, all of a sudden you could hear be here Lamar Jackson. His the, those footsteps Lamar saying, Hey, time out. Where am I? Where do I belong in the discussion? That'd be more than justified. So today, no, Lamar is not in the MVP discussion, but given the loss of his number one target, given the fact that he seems to be dealing with an injury, given the fact that the schedule for the Ravens is no, it's nothing to laugh at, if they win that division, get a high seed, and Lamar plays well and leading them there, it's hard to argue he's not the MVP, assuming some of the other guys fall off, which guy's are going to go through ebbs and flows. and Lamar Jackson included. But this is the stretch for him. If he wants to win MVP, if we are to put him in that discussion, this is the stretch to play great football. That's where I'm at with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Uh, But listen, took advantage last night of a Bengals team without Cincinnati. Hats off to the Baltimore Ravens. I was definitely rooting against them, rooting for my pick Cincinnati so that my Steelers, with no offense, (laughs) had a shot at the top of the division. But that's where where we are at at today got a comment here from patrick brown here at the grid network i love patrick he says gut wrenching loss for cincinnati listen losing that game would have been that has sucked five and five i already mentioned the bengals uh, schedule moving forward it is it is probably the toughest in the league them and buffalo they're kind of in that discussion it's a tough tough schedule the rest of the way but uh yeah now they have no chance And, and a lot of folks would have said hey the Bengals' season is over. If you know, even if they had lost, or if they had lost, and obviously Burrow had been healthy, the season's over. I would not have believed that because I've seen Burrow and the Bengals go on these long winning streaks in November, December, January, in order to get them in position where they can win playoff games. So I wouldn't have ruled them out. I wouldn't have doubted them. But now, obviously, with Burrow gone, it's 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 a foregone conclusion. The Bengals are going to miss the playoffs. Uh, and it's interesting too. I don't have the graphic to put up on the screen here, but if you look at the playoff picture in the AFC, okay. So here's the here's the 7 season ends today. Here's the top 10 uh top 7 rather playoff teams in the AFC. So the one seed is Kansas City so they get the bye. Then you have Baltimore, Jacksonville, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Houston. And then you got a lot of 5 and 5 teams. Indianapolis, Vegas, Cincinnati, Buffalo. Then you got the Chargers and the Jets and the Broncos at 4 and 5. Like the only teams we can put Cincinnati in that group of the team that is not Jake Browning is not leading the Bengals to the playoffs. Because listen, in order for Cincinnati to get in, I mean, they have to go what six and one the rest of the way? You're telling me they're gonna go six and one with the backup quarterback against the Steelers twice, Jacksonville, Colts, Vikings, Chiefs, Browns. It's not gonna happen. So we could put the Bengals, regardless of what the record is, we could put them off to the side along with the Titans and the Patriots, neither of which are making the playoffs. Well, then who's in? Kansas City's going to win the AFC West. That might as well be a foregone conclusion in. Whether or not Baltimore wins the North, which is, could still potentially be up to the question, they're tied in the loss column with Cleveland and with my Steelers, but we'd be, we'd be pretty stunned. You go 8-3, and three, it's going to be hard to miss the playoffs at that point. Jacksonville, I still think could get in as the AFC South champion. Uh, you will have, at that point, Miami is going to pull away from Buffalo and win the AFC East. So now you got three playoff spots left. Now it's down to to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Houston. Then you got the Colts, Raiders. You got the, the Bills, who I don't believe in, and the Chargers, Jets, Broncos. Let me just say this I know they're in the standings today, they're in 14th place. Watch out for Denver. That's just watch out for Denver because they're playing good football. They've established a run game. Russell's playing very well. Excuse me. The defense has come on. Sean Payton seems to have have established an identity in terms of his play calling and and, and personnel and whatnot. I mean, the Broncos schedule the rest of the year. They got some winnable games. They still get to play the Chargers, who have an awful pass defense. Twice, I might add. They get to play the Patriots. They get to play the Raiders. Not to mention, there's some winnable games. They got a home game against Minnesota, which is a great Sunday night game. Cleveland's going to be tough. Houston, we'll see. I think Houston's got a much better quarterback than they do in a coach, than they do a roster. Detroit's going to be hard to win. Detroit is the best team left in their schedule. I'm just telling y'all, Denver, watch out for the Broncos. Watch out for the Denver Broncos. No doubt about that. Okay, so I've decided let's go ahead and do. The Volview, since it is, after all, 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. That is when I normally do the Volview. Let's do that now. Then I'll do the Draymond segment afterwards in about 10 to 15 minutes. So, Tennessee this weekend, it, you know, last weekend was not fun as a balls fan. I'm just going to tell you right now. So, Tennessee loses to Missouri 36 to 7. It was as bad as the score might indicate. Offensively, turnovers killed us defensively, could not get off the field on third down, struggled badly to stop the run. I mean, everything that could have went wrong went wrong for the Tennessee Volunteers, and not so much. We lost one of our key wide receivers, Deontay Thornton, for the season with an ankle injury on a touchdown pass, of all things, or touchdown catch, at least for him, of all things. So it was not a good day for the Vols. Due to that loss, and then to add salt in the wound, Georgia walloping Ole Miss 45-14, to Tennessee is now officially out of the SEC East race. So my Vols will have to wait till 2024 to try and make the, uh, the SEC title game for the first time since 2007. But there's always, pom- there's always a positive out of a great opportunity. Tennessee at home against numero uno, the number one team in America, the Georgia Bulldogs. So it's a Vol View time, ladies and gentlemen. Tennessee's toughest test of the year. But the good news is it is in Neyland Stadium. It is in Knoxville. The ball view starts right now. It is indeed football time in Tennessee and the last football game for Tennessee to be played in Neyland Stadium this season, very bittersweet. Obviously, this has been uh, a f- it has been for, for for decades, heck, for a darn century, one of the best atmospheres in all of college football and all college sports. But Tennessee, a home game against, as I just mentioned, the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia on the road is a ten point favorite. Obviously, if this were uh, in Georgia, this would be a sixteen point line at least. If you do the math, uh, Georgia would be a sixteen point favorite, despite the fact that Tennessee still in the top twenty five. Number 18 in the country. So here's the thing for the Vols. So they, at this point, they, what they have to play for a potential, although they'd have to hope for some losses for Missouri who just beat them, but a potential new Year's six bowl and play spoiler, make things a little interesting in the college football playoff things. Because the fact of the matter is if Georgia loses to Tennessee, let's just play. Let's just play pretend for a second. Okay. We did that as kids. Let's play pretend. If if Georgia loses to Tennessee, all of a sudden, Georgia versus Alabama SEC title game, Atlanta-Georgia, two weeks from tomorrow, all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, that is an extra college football playoff game. The playoff is still, after all, at four teams. It is going to extend, I believe, next season, if I'm not mistaken. If not the season after that, four-team playoff. Somebody's got to go. Bama's got one loss. Georgia's got one loss, assuming that they lost to the Vols. All of a sudden, winner in the playoff. Loser, you're done. Your season is over in terms of national title contention. So that's what Tennessee's playing for, to shake things up a little bit in the college football playoff mix. I like it. I like playing spoiler. I like Tennessee being put in this position. But again, 10-point dogs. And again, the, 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 it's not going to be easy for a myriad of reasons, one of them being the injury bug for the balls. So first of all, Brew McCoy lost in the first month of the season due to injury against South Carolina, ankle injury. Another ankle injury plagued Deontay Thornton, one of our best receivers, probably our number one deep threat receiver. He got hurt last week against Missouri, done for the season. Our number one corner, Kamal Haddon, got hurt against Bama, done for the season. So three of Tennessee's key playmakers, and again, listen, this is football, injuries are going to happen, but Tennessee's kind of gotten snake bit to a certain degree in the past couple of months, really just the entire season in general. But what's interesting is I'm looking at ESPN's matchup predictor, uh, one of which that I, in the NBA and basketball, I give very little little uh, credibility to with all due respect because the fact that they had the Warriors at a 12% chance to win the finals against the Boston Celtics in 2022, yes, I am still salty about that. We won, though, so it doesn't matter. Tennessee, though, apparently, according to their analytic system, however they calculate this, has a 30.6% chance to win. almost almost one out of three, potentially. Uh, Who knows? Here's the thing for Georgia. And I I respect the heck out of them for this. I may not like Georgia, but I can always respect them in the sense that early in their schedule, and there's a lot of Michigan syndrome with this, where Michigan, first nine games of the season, man, come on, it's Eastern Carolina, it's Purdue, it's Rutgers, and Michigan State. These are terrible programs, or at least mediocre programs. It's kind of what Georgia was doing. Beating up a lot of bad teams. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Auburn, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, Missouri. Then you play Ole Miss. Ninth ranked Ole Miss, playing very good football. Walk into, in, into Georgia. And I mistakenly said the Bulldogs won 45 to, to 17. I apologize. They won 52 to 17. So they took care of business. Carson Beck is playing unbelievable football right now for Georgia. Uh, in this game, at a couple touchdown passes, QBR of 96. Bulldogs ran for 300, 300 yards against Ole Miss. So that's going to be a point of emphasis for Tennessee is that, hey, it's pick your poison. You want Georgia beats beat you with your pass game? Carson Beck, Brock Bowers, who is going to be a top five pick, potentially certainly a top 10 pick in this upcoming NFL draft. He is as talented a tight end as we've ever had coming out of, of the draft next year in 2024, or do you have the running game beat you? with a great Georgia offensive line, another great Georgia offensive line, and Georgia has tended to be running back you or at least running game you, how do you stop them? Well, Tennessee can stop the run. Hold Georgia in third down situations. If there's anything Georgia has not done this season, or at least have it proven this season, it's that they can win in very hostile environments. Here's the road games they played Georgia this year. At Auburn. Auburn can be hostile, but it helps when Auburn is better. Yeah, the Auburn Tigers are sitting here today. If you look at the standings in uh, in the Southeastern Conference, the Auburn Tigers are sitting there at three and four in the SEC. Like the, the, they're mediocre, they're average, they're fine. That's not a, an intimidating place to go play. As for Georgia, again, look at the the rest of their, uh, the rest of their schedule. I can pull up here. I apologize, just lost. Okay, Georgia. Other home uh, road games that they played this year: Vanderbilt. Come on, Tennessee fans always outnumber Vanderbilt fans. Matter of fact, I didn't watch Georgia Vanderbilt. That was on October fourteenth. So a month ago, I didn't watch the game. Guarantee there were more Georgia fans than Vanderbilt fans. Vanderbilt doesn't have a fan base, okay? Except when there's baseball. Then they all come out of the woodworks. So it's funny how that works. Georgia, or Florida. Neutral site game, Jacksonville. Florida's mediocre. It's not a hostile environment. But you know what it is? Neyland Stadium. Let me tell you something, y'all. Been in Neyland multiple times. Matter of fact, gonna be there tomorrow. Cannot wait for it. When I say that place gets loud... Last year, Tennessee played Alabama in Neyland Stadium. The Earth in Knoxville, Tennessee, literally—I'm dead serious. You could look this up, folks. No, don't take my word for it. Look it up. The Earth shook, shook at Neyland Stadium. It was so loud. That's what that's what's gonna be like on Saturday for Tennessee, for of all nation, for of all faithful. Knoxville, Tennessee, Neyland Stadium. Oh, what do we got to lose? Uh, we're not obviously not going to make the playoff. Nowhere near that. Uh, we're, we're not going to make the SEC title game. We're mathematically eliminated. We don't like Georgia. Let's screw up their season. Let's put them on the brink of potential college football playoff elimination two weeks from now when they face Alabama. If we shake things up, that's some serious momentum going into certainly the rest of the season. They'll beat Vanderbilt next week, and hopefully they win their bowl game depending on the matchup. That's some serious momentum going to next week where you have obviously uh, Nico coming in, starting quarterback, five-star recruits, number one QB in the nation coming out of high school and some transfers and recruits, and we know how that goes. So what happens for Tennessee? Well, what I hope happens and what I think is going to happen is two different things. You you guys don't care what I hope. I hope Tennessee wins, of course. What I think is going to happen is that the Vols, it's the old syndrome, It's, it's more applicable in the NFL than in his college, but bear with me. The whole when you plan national television and CBS, this is unfortunately the final year that they're doing SEC games, which is really sad because the SEC on CBS it's like synonymous. It's it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel weird not having the SEC on CBS. But Tennessee played on CBS last week against Missouri. A lot of stakes. They didn't know Georgia was going to be uh, Ole Miss. Probably did in the back of their heads, but they didn't know for a fact. They beat Missouri. Georgia lose to Ole Miss. All of a sudden, this game tomorrow is for the division. It's forced a spot in Atlanta. Well, they got humiliated, embarrassed, intentionally by the head coach of Missouri, by the Missouri f- football team who had been pissed off the last two years he'd given up 60 points to Tennessee. Well, now all of a sudden, Tennessee's the one who got humiliated. The playing of Georgia team, is flying high a little bit. Is there a potential that Tennessee maybe catches Georgia off guard? Maybe. Does the fan base, the noise, the atmosphere, does that catch Georgia off guard? Well, in the first half, I think it will. I can see Tennessee getting a stop first drive. I think Georgia gets the ball first. Tennessee gets a stop. I'm not going to say three and out or something, but gets a stop. Get the ball to Joe Milton's falls offense. Boom, 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 boom. Down the field. Touchdown, 7-0. Place is going crazy. They ride that momentum to a tight halftime score of 17 to 17. And then in the second half, Georgia, as any great football team does, adjusts. They get they get in order what they need to get in order, and they win convincingly. But up the final score here. I got Georgia 38, Tennessee 21. I said 17-17. I meant to say 14-14. 14-14. Tennessee loses this game 38 to 21. This is the very first time. This is historic that I picked the balls, my balls, to lose here on the Vol View. But I have to be objective, have to be honest to you, the audience, and frankly to myself and to the rest of Vol Nation. Listen, if we win. Uh, If we win, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on cloud nine on Monday's show. I don't anticipate that happening, though. I think the number one team in America gets the W, sends Tennessee to Vanderbilt at 7-4, and and that's what that is. So, I hope we win. I don't think it is out of the cards that we win, but I certainly would not advise you to take Tennessee in the points. I would not do that, given what I've seen this season, but it is not out of the question. Can't wait to be in Knoxville tomorrow. Can't wait to be at the great, historic Neyland Stadium amongst a fantastic fan base and an unbelievable atmosphere. Rooting for Tennessee. Obviously, as hard as I can, but I got Georgia 38-21. to That is it for this week's edition of The Vol View. We'll see what happens this weekend. We'll see what I have in store for you next week on the regular season finale of The Vol View, at least for the football season. But until then, we'll see y'all next week. That is it for this week's edition of The Vol View. I hope I'm wrong on my prediction, y'all. I really do. In Tennessee. There you go. That's funny, y'all. I just got a text from my. <laughs> I just got a text from my dad. He said, uh, "With that pick, you are not going tomorrow." So I guess I guess I'm now officially banned from going to and Save. I guess no, but I can't, I can't wait to be there tomorrow. It's gonna be fantastic. And again, I, I I cannot imagine what the atmosphere is gonna be like. Dolly Parton, the great, and I want to emphasize as much as I can, the great, great, the all timer the goat. Miss Dolly Parton is going to be at the game tomorrow. She is going to perform "Rocky Top." I don't know if it's going to be a halftime, pregame, whatever the case may be. Can't wait for that. Dolly's a freaking legend here in Tennessee, and as about as I always say, people like Dolly Parton. You know, there are certain individuals like her that, where if you don't like them, you, my friend, are the problem. Or frankly, if you don't like Dolly Parton, we can't be friends. We can't. Okay, we can dis. I have people in my life that that don't like Steph Curry. I love Steph Curry and don't like Dak or or any of my favorite athletes or. I've got people in my life who are Josh Dobbs haters. If you're a Dolly Parton hater, forget about it. We 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 can't speak anymore. We can we can't. I'm sorry, it's, can't do it. Can't do it. She's the best. Uh, and Dollywood's fire too. Let me tell you right now. Love Dollywood. Love it. Okay. So again, shout out to to Dolly Parton because she has been, you know, didn't didn't come from much, but was able to to um to lift herself to a place uh of prominence. So hats off. Now I just got a text from my <laughs> from my mother. She is uh she 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 loves what I said about uh about Dolly. There you go. Okay, so I did want to get into this and get into the National Basketball Association. And a team and a player that have been the topic of much discussion this week, rightfully so, is Draymond Green. And my Golden State Warriors. So, Draymond, and I, I broke it down into detail. The the scuffle between him, Rudy Gobert, the Timberwolves, everybody involved. It was not what you would have wanted to see on a regular Tuesday night. Although, Tuesday nights and Saturday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday nights and Friday nights, in the NBA for the next few weeks is, is the in-season tournament, which I love. The intensity has been great. And then again, I don't know if the, <laughs> the NBA and Adam Silver wanted the intensity to be there, to the point of a fight where, where, where multiple ejections occur, but that was obviously what happened. So obviously Draymond Green was tossed, and, and rightfully so, for, for holding Rudy Gobert. Klay Thompson, to me, was wrongfully tossed. And, and frankly, I didn't love that Jaden McDaniels got tossed either for the initial scuffle that started it. I guess the refs were saying, hey, you guys instigated it, so you should be punished. I get that, but I don't think. It was just pushing and shoving. Then again, on the other hand, there were punches thrown. We can, we're splitting hairs here. And I thought Rudy Gobert should have been tossed and suspended. Not as many games as Draymond, but suspended because the Cardinal rule. Did I not talk about this on Wednesday? And I, got, I cannot tell you how many people I've heard indirectly back me up on this And the national media. is like the Cardinals' sin. You do not touch another team's player during a scuffle. You don't do it. You grab your own guy if you're not obviously the one doing the fighting. You grab your guy, pull him out. That's what Chris Paul did with Clay Thompson. That's what Mike Conley did with Jada McDaniels. Rudy Gobert escalated the situation by grabbing Klay Thompson's head. Draymond Green saw that. We know his history with Rudy Gobert. Grab Rudy Gobert. Obviously held on to him for way too long. That was my criticism of Draymond. He was one thousand percent in the wrong for that. You don't you don't put a guy in a headlock for seven minutes. Or seven minutes for for seven seconds. Uh, that that's you don't do that. Can't do that. So Draymond Green got announced by the NBA. On Wednesday night, literally like an hour after my show ended, that he has been suspended for five games. So, Clay Thompson, Jaden McDaniels, and Rudy Gobert uh, were all fine. Draymond was fine as well, and of course, uh, he was the only one to be suspended. So, again, I would have suspended Rudy because Draymond doesn't do what he does. I think uh, if if Rudy doesn't grab Clay, but that let's we'll put that aside. Warriors Timberwolves play by the way in March. I think it's March 24th is the next time they play. Should be should be very interesting. You might want to put that game on national TV because I don't think it is. It is not. I'm just suggesting this. You should put that game on TV. But the point of this all is, Draymond suspended five games. What's my reaction? So I said on Wednesday, I would have given him three games. So five games, I'm, I'm not going to lose my mind. I mean, it's, it's November. These games are not going to... It's not that they don't count; they of course count, but we're not going to look at a game in November the same as we would in late March, early April, when it's like the real playoff chase, seeding battles. So we're not going to not going to lose our minds about games in in November. So the five games for for Draymond are last night in a Warriors loss, one twenty eight to one hundred nine to the Oklahoma City Thunder. We play the Thunder tomorrow. Suspended for that game, and they suspended for a home game against the Rockets, a road game against the Suns, and a home game, which happens to be an in season tournament game against the Spurs, who have. One serious offensive threat, obviously, Victor Wimbanyama. Then Draymond will be back for another in-season tournament game against the Sacramento Kings. That should be a fun one. Tuesday night, November 28th, TNT. Should be a fun one in Sacramento. But Draymond suspended five. I'm not going to lose my mind about that. Here's what I don't like, though, is Draymond has haters out there. I get it. I, I get it. As somebody who loves Draymond Green, I'm not blind. I get why people don't like the guy. Now, do I get why people who romanticize the old days of basketball don't like the guy? That I don't like. That, to me, is pure blatant hypocrisy. If you love Dennis Rodman, and you love people like uh, like uh, uh, Rick Mahorn and, and uh, Charles Oakley, if we like those guys, why don't we like Draymond Green? Which, by the way, those guys... Draymond has his share of questionable, too dirty plays, not as much as those. But you love them, hate Draymond, to me, that's inconsistent. But I get why people don't like Draymond. He's feisty, talks a lot of you-know-what to the refs, talks a lot of you-know-what to your favorite player, has a history, as I just mentioned, of questionable plays, to say the very least, some kicks to the groin area. Steven Adams, in particular, can can attest to that, no question about it. So I get why people don't like Draymond Green. I, I genuinely do. Even as a Warriors fan, as a Draymond Green fan, I get that. Here's what I don't get. Oh, the juice is no longer worth the squeeze. I've heard that a lot today and yesterday. Draymond Green has become far more trouble than he's worth. No, he hasn't. And I'm not sure there'll be a point in time, at least with Steph Curry there, that he will be. Golden State Warriors are an organization a franchise that have been the dynasty of the league for the better part of the last decade. But... Like any dynasty, you need the face of it. You need the superstar. Well, that's obviously Steph. It was Jordan in Chicago, and it was the 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 three the for the Lakers. It was really two guys, Shaq and Kobe, but Shaq was the better player at that time. It was Magic Johnson with the Lakers and Bird with the Celtics. It was Russell with the Celtics. Every dynasty, if you want to call the Spurs dynasty, it was Tim Duncan. Every great Run. Every great dynasty has to have a great coach. That's what Steve Kerr is. He's 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 an all-timer. He's one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. One of the most successful, one of the best in terms of adjusting. That's Steve Kerr. You also gotta have kind of the sidekick, the co-star, the other guy who can give you 30 any given night. Well, that's Clay Thompson for the Golden State Warriors. Most most times you have to have a good bench of role players. For Golden State, it's been guys like Andre Guidala. And right now, it's uh, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins isn't playing well, but Wiggins was a massive contributor to the championship a year and a half ago. But every team has to have the enforcer, and that's who Draymond Green is. That's who Horace Grant was for the first half of the Bulls dynasty. That's who Dennis Rodman was for the second half of the Bulls dynasty. You gotta have that guy who is sort of the, I've heard this analogy used for Draymond, sort of the bouncer at the nightclub. That's Dre. His job is, is to obviously in terms of a basketball sense to to rebound, to essentially play point guard for the Warriors. He plays point guard, honestly, plays on ball more than Steph does, uh, to be your defensive stopper. But from an emotional, psychological, and spiritual standpoint for the Golden State Warriors, Steph's not a guy who's gonna get in your face more times than not. Neither is Clay. Kerr is feisty, but he's a coach. He's not he's not Steve Kerr's not gonna get in another coach's face and be yelling at him and cussing him out. Like that's not that's not what he's gonna be doing. Andrew Wiggins, he's he's kind of a quiet, reserved guy. That's not in his DNA. That's okay. But if that's the case, you need a Draymond Green. Can you imagine? Or let me phrase it this way. The Los Angeles Clippers have a lot of talent. Whether, whether or not we think those guys are in their primes or not, they're talented. Kawhi Leonard's very talented. He's not a leader. Paul George is very talented. Leadership skills, good, not great. Russell Westbrook actually shows some pretty admirable leadership skills today in the fact that he's coming off the bench now. But he's like the fifth best player on the team. James Harden, horrendous leadership skills. I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, and this is I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I don't care. The Clippers would die for Draymond Green. They've got the coach in Ty Lue. They've got the scorers, Kawhi Paul-George. They've got the distributor in James Harden. They've got the energetic, now bench guy in Russell Westbrook. But they need an enforcer, and none of those guys are it. Who's going to be? Zubats, Terrence Mann? A mere cough, like is it is this, is that is that what we got here? That's who Draymond Green is for the Warriors. Frankly, from a basketball standpoint, he's still crucially important. We talk about, oh, he's he's lost a step defensively. Well, not that much of a step because uh Warriors have a better defensive rating with him than without him, believe it or not. And they have a much better offensive rating with him, 115 than without him, 110. Seem like they kind of need Draymond. I've said his. I've said religiously, and this with no disrespect to Klay Thompson, in this run, everybody knows Steph's been the most important guy. That goes without saying. Draymond's number two. He's been, for the majority of this run, the best defensive player in the league. I think he should have three Defensive Player of the Year awards. He got robbed twice by not by Kawhi Leonard, by the voters who voted for Kawhi Leonard in 2015-2016. Draymond was clearly a better defensive player than, than Kawhi, and he, won, he ended up winning in 2017. Multiple-time first-team first all-defense first all guy. Multiple-time all-defense all guy in general. He's made multiple all-star games. And if Draymond, if there was ever an opportunity, and this shows you how important he is to the Warriors, if there were ever an opportunity to move on from Draymond Green, did it not happen 13 months ago? We all remember the incident between him and Jordan Poole. They just paid Jordan Poole $176 million. He was the new golden boy, so to speak wasn't the face of the team, although you couldn't have told him that at the time, or maybe even now. But he was the guy that was going to be a key contributor for the Warriors. He was going to be their number one bench score, 20-point-per-game guy, occasional starting uh, guard from time to time. Off the bench, he was going to be the guy for the next half-decade to help keep this run going with Steph Curry. Draymond Green, Warriors didn't extend him. Had a year left in his contract, didn't make as much as Jordan Poole. Socked him in practice. The tape got out to TMZ. Somebody leaked that to TMZ. Kerr was pissed. Organization was pissed. And Draymond was humiliated. And it messed up. And folks, let me tell you. From what I know, the source I know. When I say messed up the locker room, I mean messed up. Bad. The locker room. If there was ever an opportunity to get rid of Draymond Green, it was right there. They could have just said, "We, we won't even offer you a contract. We don't have to trade you. We don't even have to lowball you with an offer. Just let you walk. We'll keep the kid who we just gave $176 million to. But no, they know they need Draymond Green. Steph Curry and Steve Kerr swear by him, as does Klay Thompson. Oftentimes, importance is not measured in points. It's not measured in shoe sales. Man, are you a winning basketball player or not? Draymond Green's a winning basketball player at Michigan State. You say, oh, Michigan State's always won. Not, I mean, listen, has Michigan State been the absolute peak of college basketball since Draymond left? No. No, they made the national title game in 2012. Haven't made it since. You don't think he's important to the Golden State Warriors? For the record, before Jordan Poole, you say, well, Bryson, you've said Jordan Poole is a cancer of the locker room. I very much have said that. And you see, by the way, Jordan Poole Washington already looking a little dicey there. He argue with teammates. He's 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 cussing out coaches and, and team, like it's not good in Washington. Shocker, shocker. Coulda told you that. Um well, what about that Kevin Durant guy? He's pretty good at hoops. Pretty good at basketball. I think it's safe to say. What about then? 2018. KD, Draymond. We know the incident that happened in the locker room. We know what Draymond told Kevin Durant in the cleanest uh, way I can uh, put this, we don't need you. We won without you. Leave with some Profanity-laced uh, words in there, of course. But that was what exactly what he said, verbatim. We don't we, we don't need you. We won without you. Leave. We saw the spat on the bench. And Kevin Durant, of course, did leave. KD may have stayed if the Warriors had said, you know what? That's it. We're moving Draymond Green. But they said, no. We're going to try and keep Kevin Durant. Of course, he's an awesome basketball player. First bout Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. Finals MVP. MVP. But Draymond built this thing. Draymond's been crucially important to this franchise ever since he's been there since 2012. They need this from Draymond. His production is going to outweigh incidents like Tuesday night against the Timberwolves and Rudy Gobert. You will have those. You will have the Draymond ejection where he gets in trouble. Maybe he gets a fine, a suspension, whatever the case may be. But man, you need him in that playoff run. Draymond Green's the type of dude, when the going gets tough, he's the type of guy who maybe doesn't have the greatest reputation around town, But, man, when you're going through it, call Draymond Green 3-4 in the morning. Draymond Green will be over to your house to help you with whatever you need help with. That's the type of dude he is. That's the type of teammate he is. By the way, the thing that he did that was, again, over the top, shouldn't have done it to the extent that he did it, of course, in terms of chokeholding Rudy Gobert. Went way too far on that. Steve Kerr said it himself yesterday before the game. Even that was defending a teammate. So this notion that the juice is no longer worth the squeeze, uh, I must have missed something. It's very much that there's a lot of juice still there. And I'll squeeze whatever drop I can out of it if it means the Warriors contend for championships. And yes, they're six and seven. They've wrote a five-game losing streak, so it's not great now. Steph is hurt, Draymond's suspended, but it is November. So and by the way, I predicted the Warriors would get off to a to a to a rough start to start the season. I as a Warriors fan. I said that. All off season prediction show. So they get off to a rough start and they get it right around January. That's kind of where I think they're at. But yes, you keep Draymonger. You don't, they gave him a, a three year contract worth, I'm sorry, four year contract worth, uh, was it $125 million? I think, I think that's what it was. Evidently, they thought that the juice was worth the squeeze. I'm going to trust the, organiz- the organization, the smart people up in the Bay Area, than some 15 year old living in his mama's basement on Twitter. That's just me. I just think that there's this. I get why people don't like Draymond. I I I do. You know, if Draymond Green played for somebody else. I'd certainly I'd certainly still respect him, honest to God. I wouldn't like him. You know, but you can't disrespect him. That that that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with uh with Mr. Green. Still very important to to the Golden State Warriors. Uh so I'm 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 looking at By the way, some NBA news for the, listen, it it can't, it it can't get worse for the Memphis Grizzlies, which I'm loving every second of, I I hate the Memphis Grizzlies with a passion. They thought they were the next dynasty. We find the West. Well, as we sit here today, the Grizzlies are last place in the West. Below the Blazers and the Spurs, the Jazz, I mean, rebuilding teams are over the Grizzlies in the standings. And now Marcus Smart, and this is a genuinely unfortunate. So I, this I'm not making fun of this because I don't. Nobody likes injuries. But Marcus Smart is now out three to five weeks, of the foot sprain. So Memphis can't catch a break. And uh, I'm telling you, should have kept Tyus Jones. Should have kept Tyus Jones. They're paying the price for that. Tyus Jones. If you look at the numbers with the Grizzlies, I've done multiple segments on this in the past. Did it in 2022 during the playoffs. Did it certainly last playoffs, 2023, when John missed that one game against the Lakers in game two. I said, the the, the Grizzlies are an objectively better basketball team with Tyus Jones as opposed to John Morant. Offensive rating was better. Defensive rating was better. Points per game was better. Points given up was was not as much. Record was better. Winning percentage was better. I mean, it's not saying you you moved John Morant, but I am saying you probably should have let go of Tyus Jones for an aging I wouldn't even call Marcus Smart a point guard. He's he's more of just a a two guard who's who's a solid defensive player. That's what he is at this advanced stage and age of his career. Absent the Smart injury, because I don't root for injury, nobody does. No no you know person with any sense of empathy. That said, loving the Grizzlies' downfall. Then again, is it that much of a downfall when they never reclined that high to begin with? In the John Morant era, they won one playoff series. Uh, what, what are we talking about here? It's not like they've been to a Western Conference Finals. Not like they they lost in a buzzer beater in Game 7. No. No, they lost to Golden State in six games, got smoked by the Lakers in six games in 2023. Come on. John Morant. you could say, well, when Jock comes back, when Jock comes back, they'll be a playing team. They'll be a playing team. Uh, San Antonio will, will come back down to earth, as will, you know, potentially Utah. Potentially, although I like I like Utah's young talent and, and 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 so will the the Blazers, but West is loaded. West is loaded, and everybody everybody is just chasing Denver. That's where we're at today. Everybody's chasing the Nuggets, which I don't think that surprises any of us, including m- myself, a fan of the Warriors. Uh, everybody's chasing Denver. That's where it's at. And by the way, by the way, optimism here from a Warriors fan. To all of damnation. It's not going well now. Last week, no Draymond Green. No, no Gary Payton. And if Steph Curry hits a floater, and by the way, it was a pretty good look, Steph hits a floater, they take the Nuggets to overtime on the road. They're not too far away from Denver. They certainly have a better bench. And uh, while Jokic is better than Steph, it's not like there's a terribly sizable gap between those two. Good times will return again very, very soon to the Bay Area. Not immediately, but very soon. Uh, At least when Steph gets back. All right. So, baseball, we had some news last night in Major League Baseball. Very fun. And it transitions me, segues me perfectly into this uh, next segment I'm about to do. Uh, NFL predictions in 10 minutes. Two two awards were given out. Or two high-profile awards were given out. Most Valuable Player, MVP. So, Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves won unanimous National League MVP, rightfully so. He was absolutely spectacular this season. Um... Uh, if you look at what he did, he, he had uh, 41 home runs, 73 stolen bases, uh, becoming the first member of the 4070 club, which was remarkable. Uh on bait, he led the ENL on base percentage, OPS, hits, and runs scored. And the major league major league baseball lead, he was in second place in batting average at a 337 average. So Ronald Acuna, more than deserving of MVP with the Atlanta Braves. And as for the American League, and again, this segues me perfectly, the MVP of the American League was none other than Shohei Ohtani. He also, like Acuna, won unanimously. If you look at what Ohtani did uh, this season, it was nothing short uh, of spectacular. Obviously, he got all uh, first-place votes. But Otani Ohtani offensively uh, hit a—, had a 304 average, hit 44 home runs, which led the American League, had 20 stolen bases as a pitcher. He went 10-5 and with a 314 ERA, striking out 167 batters and only issuing 55 walks in a buck 32 innings. So Shohei's pretty good and it's fitting. Otani Watch, second edition, starts now. So, as Otani Watch begins this week, an update from the odds. I uh, did want to look at this. This is according to the New York Post, uh, and they looked at the odds makers at DraftKings Sportsbook to look at the uh, Shohei Otani next team odds. The Dodgers still in first place, and for those of you that bet, they are the favorites uh, at plus, excuse me, Plus 110, followed by the Chicago Cubs, the San Francisco Giants, the New York Mets, the New York Yankees, the Texas Rangers, the Boston Red Sox, Seattle Mariners, LA Angels, Philadelphia Phillies, Toronto Blue Jays, San Diego Chargers, San Diego Chargers, San Diego Padres, and the field. I want to say Chargers again. I'm so used to saying that. Padres, Jays. And the field are tied at plus 2,000. So not a great chance uh, right there. But first thing I noticed right off the bat, and then we'll get into the Red Sox aspect of this specifically, is the fact that Boston is, they were 10th. I believe, last week, they were, according to DraftKings, I think 10th in Major League Baseball Nots odds to sign Shohei. They have creeped up to 7th, which is I find quite interesting. So look, listen, are the Dodgers still the front frontrunners to, to, to win Shohei? Well, according to DraftKings, they are. And frankly, I think they are. It's a logical argument. LA is ready to contend now. It's an awesome city. It's great weather. Shohei literally has been playing there for the last seven years, so he's used to it. It's a great organization, and he'll get far more. Uh, listen, the Angels are like the Clippers are like the Chargers, where they're the second billing to a bigger brand, which the Rams will not put in the category of Dodgers Lakers. Like LA is a Dodgers Lakers town. LAFC, LA Kings, USC. Like that's that's LA. It's not the Clippers. It's not the Chargers. It's not the Angels. It's just not. But Chicago Cubs in second, rightfully so. They have a lot of money to spend. New manager, Craig Council. You're going to spend a lot of money this free agency? Understandably so. Almost made the playoffs this year. But I was looking at this, and I saw a report that made me feel quite good. This is from none other than Jeff Passan. Think of him, for those of you who don't follow Major League Baseball, as the Adrian Wojnarowski or the Adam Schefter, if we're thinking about the NFL, of baseball insiders. He's the number one guy at ESPN. When anything big happens, it's either Ken Rosenthal on Fox or Jeff Passan at ESPN. Like, those are really the two guys who break all the news. Jeff Passan, and this is according uh, to a guy, uh, Boston Sports Gordo, tweeted this about Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan on Shohei Otani, and I quote, the Dodgers, Rangers, and Boston Red Sox are all expected to be in the Otani sweepstakes according to sources. And though the industry's overwhelming expectation is that he winds up with the Dodgers, that line of thinking is perhaps presumptive. Hmm. Very interesting. It's perhaps presumptive. By the way, end quote. I apologize for that. So... Basically, in short, Jeff Pass is saying, yeah, we think he's going go to go the Dodgers, but that is far from a done deal. So, Shohei, I keep mentioning this. Like, this, those, oh, the Red Sox, they're not going to be in the running for Shohei, despite the fact that we have a long history of signing Japanese free agents, whether it's straight from Japan or whether it's in uh, Major League Baseball. Long history of doing so. Literally, have <laughs> have, a, have a guy on, their, on our team right now who's done so. But what I think is interesting, Shohei Otani, I'll reiterate this. He's with New Balance. Red Sox also do business with New Balance, one of their primary uh, sponsors. And Shohei is friends with some of the guys on the Red Sox. So got some connections there. Red Sox, just like the Dodgers, just like the Cubs, have a long history, maybe not as much like the Cubs. Of course, they won in 2016, but certainly like the Dodgers, have a long history of winning baseball, a lot of championships, and a great home field advantage, Fenway Park. Historic ballpark, historic city, historic organization. So it's there for Shohei. Bigger brand. He'll certainly get more recognition in Boston than he will as the second most popular baseball team in Los Angeles and probably about the eighth or ninth most famous professional sports team in LA if we're being completely honest. It's very much on the table. Now, the fact that the Rangers are in this, hats off to them. Because the Rangers are saying, "Yeah, we won the World Series. Yeah, we paid a lot of money for guys like Corey Seager and Jacob deGrom, who obviously didn't play for them this year. Nate Evaldi we played a lot. Marcus who played a lot of money for a lot of guys. Payroll is top five in Major League Baseball." But they said we're not good enough. Let's get better. Another report, by the way, this came out from uh, this came out from NBC Sports Bay Area a couple of days. Or actually, yeah, a couple of days ago. This says, this is a report too. This is very interesting and very important report. Shohei Otani wants free agent visits kept private by teams. This is very Kawhi Leonard-esque. Remember when Kawhi Leonard was going through his free agency tour NBA in 2019, and he was meeting with the Lakers, he was meeting with the Raptors and the Clippers, like those were really the three final skit Kawhi. And if you remember, Kawhi, we know he's very Kawhi. That was terrible but we know his reputation is very introverted. Does not like the spotlight. That's just not who he is. The Raptors who he just won a title with had this big thing. There was like this, this uh, it was darn near like the OJ chase in the Bronco. Like the, the, the there was these ESPN cameras, these, these people covering, okay, there's the t- Kawhi's private jet. He's flying to Toronto and who's in the jet with him and just tracking Kawhi's every move, every location. So he's like, okay, can't trust Toronto to keep this quiet. So now it's down to L.A., front of L.A., L.A. kid. Is it Lakers or is it Clippers? The Lakers and the great, and I want to emphasize, the great Magic Johnson. Remember he had a meeting with Kawhi and made it public? Yeah, I think we had a good, and Magic, listen, Magic's the best. Everybody loves Magic. But Magic kind of publicized saying said, it was a great meeting. I think there's a good chance he signs here. And Kawhi was like, okay, you couldn't keep that private. The Clippers, on the other hand, we make fun of the Clippers, but Jerry West and Doc Rivers was there at the time. You know, two respected gentlemen in the NBA. Certainly, Jerry West is the greatest executive that ever lived in the NBA. Didn't say anything. Kawhi signed with the Clippers. Whether that was not that was the right decision, it was the decision that he felt was best for him. Shohei's is the sim- same way. Shohei is a big star. He does love the spotlight on the field, maybe not as much off the field. Whether it's the fact that yeah, I don't know, I don't know if the, like language, a language barrier. Obviously, he's, he, he, you know he's from Japan, so he often has an interpreter with him during interviews. Like, you understand that? There's no doubt about it. So, I'll give advice to the Red Sox and to the upper management, uh, Mister Warner, uh, John Henry, everybody involved in Boston. You meet with Shohei, you do it in a you reserve. You, you you call one of the best spots in Boston. Say, okay. Let's have a let's have like a one a.m. two a.m. dinner with this guy. I'm gonna reserve the place. Don't close yet. It's just gonna be us. It's gonna be this high profile free agent who's the best player in baseball. It's gonna be us. No cameras, no publicity, no media, nothing. And bring Shohei in. Say okay, Shohei, we're gonna we're gonna pitch everything to him. New Balance and Yoshida is his best friend on the Red Sox. Maybe bring Yoshida along to pitch. And not literally to pitch, but it's a pitch to pitch the meeting. And the brand of Boston and the winning history of the Red Sox and history with Japanese free agent players. And then everybody leaves, goes to their own places in the middle of the night, and nobody knew what happened. That's all I got to do. Don't publicize it. Don't, you know It's not the big bright lights of LA. It's Boston. It's a hardcore town. Do that. That's all I got to do. I mean, heck, the Patriots kept a uh, Spygate secret for <laughs> for a long time. Who says the Red Sox can't keep a meeting with Shohei? Now, that's not illegal. Spygate was very illegal, but you get the idea. Same city, same DNA, same energy. I'm telling y'all, I think he's going to sign with the Dodgers. I do, always have. But the Red Sox are just rising up the list. Vegas. According to reports, he's interested in the Red Sox. The Red Sox obviously are interested in him. Just write a blank check and just tell him in that meeting, that 2 a.m. meeting. You know, the best restaurant, finest restaurant in Boston, Massachusetts. Say Shohei. You know, we get reserve the place. What do you want? We're going to negotiate this contract. What do you want, buddy? We'll we'll negotiate it. You're a blank check guy, as I call some quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's all I'm saying. Otani, watch, that's what we got this week. A lot of great information for the Red Sox. A lot of great information. I'm telling y'all, it might be showtime in Boston soon. You know, Red Sox getting the upper hand of the Dodgers yet again. Of course, they got the upper hand of us over us in the Mookie trade, so this will be our revenge. Very, very good stuff. Very excited. So, NFL is this weekend. College football is this weekend. There's some fantastic matchups. There's no doubt about it. cannot wait. To see what, again, the Steelers-Browns game is just going to be a freaking dogfight. Uh, not not to be, no pun intended, obviously the Browns call themselves the dog pound. And everybody knows, I don't, or I should say everybody, maybe if you don't know, I don't have a whole lot of love for Cleveland, Ohio. Not for the people. The people are great. But I'm talking about the, the attitude towards sports in the cities. And most of their organizations tend to be quite incompetent. And I love every second of it. And I'm still bitter from the 2016 finals. I openly <laughs> I openly admit that as a Warriors fan. But, got some fantastic matchups in the NFL, fantastic matchups, so let's get the background music going right now, and get into, he's got first, my Pittsburgh Steelers, taking on the Cleveland Browns in a big, big AFC North matchup in Cleveland, Ohio, Browns are favorite, minus one and a half, favorite minus one and a half, so, for Cleveland. Obviously, they lose to Sean Watson this week. Season-ending shoulder surgery, he's gone for the season. The good news, though, if you are a Browns fan, if you look at the Browns' uh, quarterback production this season, it has statistically uh, been among the worst uh, in terms of passing yards, touchdowns, points scored, completion percentage, I think, is last in the NFL. The whole bit. They've not been good at the quarterback position, whether it's Sean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who is going to get the start, the rookie out of UCLA, going to get the start on Sunday. Or whether it's PJ Walker or anybody else. Lost the chuck the season, lost Deshaun. The Deshaun lost not near as impactful. Obviously, we got switched to him day for a for a speedy recovery, but it's not going to be a death blow to their season. That was the fact, Miles Garrett, great defense, great secondary. Uh, and here's the thing: so Steelers beat the Browns in week two. Crazy Monday night game. A lot of defensive touchdowns, a lot of turnovers in general. Excuse me. Pittsburgh won twenty-two to 26. And uh, it was our first win of the season. Cleveland dropped one 1-1 in that game. Both teams sitting there at 6-3 and three with virtually, certainly in this case, this could be said about the Steelers, not much of an offense to speak of, not great quarterback play. It's probably going to be cold and chilly. It's Lake Erie for Brian It's Cleveland, Ohio, in, in late November, Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's going to be cold. Okay, so it's going to be ugly football. It is going to be these guys. Thank God neither of these teams play on Thanksgiving because these teams are going to be freaking just tired as you know what, and the bodies will be aching. It's, it's, it's going to be rough out there. Here's the thing, though. Dorian Thompson Robinson, watch out, Pittsburgh. He made his first start, yes, against the Ravens. Only probably scored three points, and he turned the ball over multiple times. It's a bad, bad day for the rookie. But he didn't know he was going to start until hours before the game. And he has no Justin Herbert. We know the story of how Herbert got his first start. The doctor punctured Ty, uh, Tyrod Taylor's lung. Herbert took this, made the start, hasn't missed the start since for the Los Angeles Chargers. Dorian Thompson Robinson newsflash is not Justin Herbert. John Watts was supposed to play a game against the, against the Ravens. Didn't. He came in, did the best he could, but that that was not not terribly productive. I think he'll be impactful with his legs. I think the Browns will try and get the play action involved. But the Steelers, after giving up a lot of yards and getting, I'll say it, outgained again. Can we just get more yards in the opposition, Is that too much to ask? Outgained again. The whole firm in the red zone. The force the kid into a couple of turnovers and fourth quarter. Kenny will make his uh, reappearance and lead the Steelers to a game winning drive with a walk off Chris Boswell field goal. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers, my Pittsburgh Steelers, 19 to 16. Yes, neither team will break 20. It will be a defensive battle out there. 19 to 16. 16 Steelers went over the Browns 19, 19, 19, and get to seven and three. Somehow out one way. A half comeback of the, the Baltimore Warriors. I don't know if possible, but we yeah, I'm like Tomlin, fourth quarter, Kenny get out. Arizona Cardinals is up next. Texas is already great favorites. Uh, uh, by the way, obviously, they're going to steal Uh Cardinals-Texans are a great favorite at home. I cannot remember the last time the Texans were by this much at home. This They've been around the franchise playing the last half decade. D.J. Strauss playing incredible football. I've mentioned his numbers multiple times. He's about 15 touchdown passes, best touchdown in the league, best passer in the NFL when taking shots at 20 or more yards down the field. He's efficient. Six shots Texas or by no means no. babysitting him and eating him in the NFL. Checkdown throws and play action. No, no, no. hey kid, let it rip! And boy, has he, has he done that. Now, excuse me, Noah Brown out for this game. Dalton Schultz though will play. Uh, Nico Collins. It looks like looks like he's playing this game as well. Uh, so for Houston. Having the majority of their targets there is going to be critical. Arizona coming off the win last week against Atlanta. Kyler Murray played pretty well, given the fact he hadn't played in a year. Led them to a game that draft similar. Season Struve doing so with Bengals on Sunday. Here's the thing. So the honeymoon, if there really was a honeymoon, the Cardinals are after all two and 8 uh, is going to kind of come crash into uh, the It's not a Sunday for Arizona. I think struggle. The Texas defense has a not played well the last couple of weeks in Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, but well away from Joe Burrow twice against Cincinnati and like Kyler Murray is more than capable, more than do two to three turnovers on the, the afternoon. The Cardinals have been have, have lost, uh, uh, you know, have had some injuries in the running back and it, at and off. The line, so I will do it score here. There it is. I will take the Houston Texans 27 to 17 over the Arizona Cardinals. They'll be the Stay right on Jacksonville's heels that AFP South title B to play actually it's a very very interesting game. And that's the game we're getting into next. It is the Tennessee Titans and it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags type like, a 31 point loss at the hands of the 49ers. That's my view are a seven point favorite at all the over the Titans uh, Will Levis I, I told y'all he played great against he played great against Atlanta he was playing the ball all over the place and and DeAndre Hopkins was having his best game as a Titans. His young career as a titan i told y'all i'm going to give him the jordan little tree where it's going over actually one game let's see him do it over and over at least he doesn't have to perform okay that's realistic uh be consistent. Uh, be accurate. i'll make a good decision that yes, simple put is not the case for mr Levis. kind of worse every game that he's played, he's played. He obviously played well uh, first, first, uh, uh against the last thousand against the Steelers, albeit shortly great defense uh, but listen, Will Lewis had a pass rating in the 60s and threw an interception to end the game. So he struggled throughout the vast majority of that one. Against Tampa Bay, Tennessee only puts up six points, throws another interception, has a QBR 26, 6 a pass rating of 53. So he's gotten worse every week. In terms of the pass rating, he's clean with football. I think it's going more the same against Jacksonville D. again, still is tied at number one in the NFL in takeaways. I think that will continue. That will maintain. Robert Lawrence is gotten just ripped to shreds by the media. Understandably so, he played awful against the San Francisco 49ers. He definitely has not played that well this season. Only nine touchdowns. But, you remember a year ago, Jags got hot in week 10. Well, it's week 11 now. So we got hot in week 11 and got moving forward. It ended the regular season. Okay? End of the regular season. It's five games the playoff game of course the first half In this card is always given beat At five-game winning streak, winning for the playoff game. Six game winning streak started. Win over the Titans. I think it will happen again. Give me the Jaguars in this game to cover pretty easily 27-13. Let's just say the Titans offense in terms of talent, productivity, and quarterback play are nowhere near the San Francisco 49ers. Give me Jacksonville 27 to 13 over the Tennessee Titans. Rivals. Moving on to our next matchup. It is the Las Vegas Raiders and the Miami Dolphins. This was almost my final Batman game. So I mean, even despite the fact, the Dolphins, 13 point favorites, crazy touchdown favorites at home. That's, 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 that's big. Um, and I like the Raiders. I love the energy Antonio Pierce brings for the football team. They got two wins last week, or the last two weeks, both at home, both against the New York teams. Okay? The Giants provide the Jets on Sunday Night Football a week ago. To uh Tyree, Waddle, Mike McDaniel's uh, or Mike McDaniel calling the plays, uh, that's a little bit of a different story. And here's the thing too about Miami, okay? I've been saying this, this has been a theme on my show for the last week, is that we got on these newer defensive coordinators who showing shown this the season. You got guys like Vance Joseph from Denver. Give us a Stephanie burger to these Miami Dolphins. Think about Brian Flores. the Vikings keep really struggling for a season this year, or in, in, in this five game league from for Minnesota. The Vikings are top 10 in in, 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 a, uh, in terms of yards given up to play. It's been good, they've gotten better. Take time to establish a teams. Oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this, being be a little bit impatient but go back to let the four implement their team. We said about Nick Pangio, one of the better defensive coordinators for a very long time in the NFL. You look at what Miami has done. In recent week, I honestly held the Patriots to uh of the head. Kansas City. To Kansas City! What's not? Oh, only healthy. All those 14, of course, turned it over, Tyree Colton turned it over, and the Chiefs got a touchdown out of that. So, big fan, implementing his game plan, implementing his scheme more and more every week. Jalen Ramsey's healthy. Xavier uh, Howard is is healthy. has good passers. Bradley Chubb, who played very well with the Tennessee Heat. Uh, coming off the fly. Tyreek Hill. Cheetah. West, fresh, coming off of the fly. Coming off of a, a down game against his old school chief. He's not happy about that. He just got married during the fly week. And we got Mike McDaniel. What do we know about great coaches? Which I think we can say this, even this early on, about McDaniel. Way right off the of 5. Raiders are playing high, feeling good about themselves. I still look to see a scenario with Aiden O'Connell. Like again, like what he brings to the table, but he outduels good, Sunday by low. I don't see that happening. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins comfortably, and I do mean comfortably. 34-10 to over the Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders to cover. Paper minus 13, take them, take Miami to cover. 34 to 10. I think we are absolutely both fours off the Raiders and win this football game at 34 to 10. Moving on to my favorite segment every week. You guys know what time it is. On target Up Live every Friday. It's time for were a Batman. <laughs> this, is, this is an easy one, y'all. I, I, this is... I look at this one. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's my game. The Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Now, this line two of the week is three minus ten, minus ten and a half. It's kind of... Double digits. The has now dropped to Detroit minus 7. Ladies and gentlemen, Vegas is you. They have a your front door. Here you go. What do you want? How much you want to put on this? I'll give it to you. Bears, bottom 10 in the NFL. Look at the stat right now. Bottom 10, 26 NFL and pass yards given up per game. That is a bad combo. Gets anybody but against the Detroit Lions, Derek Goff's playing the best football his career. The Detroit Lions, how about this stat, y'all? The last two years at home, at Ford Field, on that turf, in, in, in familiar home territory, are averaging 32 points per game. Last year and this another offense was great right? last year. The problem was the to be terrible. We expect to this year. Fields going to play. Great. He's an upgrade with Tyson Bat baseball. Okay, that's fine. Three records I'm awful. And I, I like fields deals coming out of Ohio State. The action's not always there. poor kid is going to be running for his life at times. against the great Detroit Lions pass-forced by Aiden Hutchinson. I think Jared Goff on going in St. Brown. And this is the premier kids in this Lions offense. are going to be a great party. Pro Football Focus makes them rank the highest-rated offensive line football. I would still take Philly. Detroit is very much in that discussion. If I were a man, this is easy. Take the Detroit Lions minus 7.5. And, and if win out, I'd welcome an outright cover. 38. 19. They win comfortably. Divisional familiarity does not apply when you don't have talent. At least relative to what the other team has. Chicago simply does not have that great of a roster. They have some nice players that I like. But uh, Detroit has a tremendous roster. Uh, I think they're on a the, the fringe top five team in football, a very solid Super Bowl contender. If I were a batman, take Detroit minus seven and a half and to win 38 to 19. Moving on, and this is just this is a this fan base will me getting at it. They should. Dallas Cowboys, Carolina Panthers. Dallas is ten and a half point road game. This was almost, and I mean, that close, to the price league bet game. I thought about it I thought long and hard about it, but I decided again. Price right. Dallas Dak Prescott. That's your guy. Dak is falling right now. He is going. He's the best quarterback in the league of the last. Time. Firmly in the MVP discussion. But. Carolina, Frank Reich, who I still, he hasn't had a great year as a head coach, but I still believe him as a head coach, is taking over the play calling duties. with Dallas, maybe he split on the defensive side of the ball, like the Parsons, Patrick Gilmore, etc. Company. Here's the thing about the Carolina Panthers defense. Statistically, if you look at their season totals, they're not great. They're bottom 10 in a lot of categories. But, this is the week 7 by. That's been the last three games, okay? Their defense, they, their defense went from. Averaging, giving up 31 points a game to 19 points a game. Giving up 342 yards to 240, yard difference Up Opponents' yards per play. They went from giving up 5.7 yards per play to 4 yards per play. Opposition at 10 passing touchdowns. For the bye, they've only given up now one in the last three games. Opposition's pass rating against the Panthers, 96. For the bye, after the bye, 80. Carolina's defense—they got hot at the end of last season. Maybe we shouldn't be all that surprised because Brian Burns, and that defensive uh, personnel, the defensive personnel they have there is pretty good. This is a classic, classic trap game for the Dallas Cowboys. Pissed off coming up a loss and you take it out in your division the Giants, were off. Off to you. Dak was off. Awesome. Lamb was incredible. Cowboys defense played well. Mike McCarthy a good game. Carolina is, I think. You could argue it might be worse than the Giants. I have a worse record than the Giants. I'm talking to Bryce Young. Come on now. I'll take Bryce Young or Tommy Vito. Come on now. What are we talking about? Let's get the Giants. Dallas is a beginning game on, on Thursday night. Washington commanders. Thursday, the Thanksgiving game. And, and oh, it's the highest rated game of the year. Dallas, Washington. Not Dallas, Washington. But Dallas, I think, the highest rated game of the year almost every week. Look at Washington's good. Dallas will not look past Washington. I can guarantee that. Panthers, eh. First team in the league. One win. I will take Dallas' cover. 31 to 17. I think Mack will play well. But do not be surprised. Panthers' first start of the game. Kind of to Tennessee, Georgia, right? What I talked about earlier. Where, which out of the Carolina crazy at atmosphere. That's not a shot at the fans. My buddy Grace is the Panthers. But Carolina rides the, the home crowd a little bit. Extra time to prepare for Dallas. They play a Thursday nighter against Chicago. And maybe they score a touchdown first drive of the game. But then Dallas' offense will respond. And Dak and CeeDee Lamb will continue their streak. And the comeback by Dallas' win gets 7 31. 7 and a half. Careful. Be careful. They blow them out. Okay. And I'm taking them a cover, but... Far from the if I were a bet that game and closer to it's game. It is now time for my upset of the week. Fan base hates me, they're gonna love me now. Give me the Green Bay Packers over the Los Angeles Chargers 24 to 21. Green Bay beats LA, LA Chargers for this week. 24 to 21. Here's why. So what do we know about the Green Bay Packers? Well, Jordan Love has not lived up to the expectations that not many. Said other than the Chiefs heads out there? Let's be honest, that's not, that's not the case. Jordan Love, I watched him last week against the first, right? Yes, third to fourth quarters. yes, he struggled at times throughout the game. But I saw some good things from him. I saw him make any great pro back, quarter of the, uh, back corner of the end zone uh, early on in the first half of that game. Again, Jordan Love's, uh, you know, is, is that line. Oh, that fast 89 yards, like two yards. I mean, dude, Jordan Love did pretty well. It almost had it almost uh, let the, the game on a like, no, It looks great. Jordan Love almost pulled that off. Maybe he'd be more comfortable. Listen, do so I think Jordan Love's the answer when term for Green Bay? Absolutely not. I think he's a backup quarterback. This is what he's shown us for this, for this season. Again, Jordan Love's uh, 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 showing has not been great. He's got 14 touchdowns 10 picks as the 22nd ranked PBR in the NFL. Not great, but maybe there's something against this that him and the Matt LaFleur can build off of. Christ, come out. You're going to take Jordan Love, who you've never been a fan of, over Justin Herbert, who you've always loved, out of college. You know, funny thing is, by the way, same draft class. Herbert, Love, careers have taken a very different path. But, you know, where you land matters, and while Jordan Love is certainly no, is not going to be the practice franchise guy, and while well, Herbert is clearly this largest franchise guy, you know about Brandon Taylor. Not good late game, not good situation. Neither is the floor. there's the floor. It's funny the little floor defender could say, well. The offense isn't great. But do you have much to work with other than Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? Christian Watson has a down season coming out of the last year. Maybe Christian Watson, a lot of his success game because he yeah, had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever thrown him last year. I think he said about running with Donald Dobbs has been pretty good, but, you know, came there. Packers' offensive line is as good as the years past. Meanwhile, Brandon Staley he has uh, Khalil Mack. And Joey Bosa has a good secondary. Irwin James and the Packers, I'm sorry, the Chargers ranked dead last in the NFL in uh, passing. My gut tells me at home, nobody really expects the Packers to win. The Chargers lost a heartbreaker against the line of the gun at a long field goal. I'm still going with the Green Bay Packers, 24-21. Sis, you happy now? Green Bay wins 24-21. to Again, I'm not paying in again, what's going to happen? Next game, we've got the New York Giants winning the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are eight and a half the game. They should be. Again, this is why I push back a little bit, and I quote Bill Barstow's all the time one of the greatest, greatest coaches ever. One quote I kind of disagree with is you are what your record says you are. Well, the Bengals are 5 and 5, but they've got a quarterback who's probably going to leave in only two wins back. Over the of the Abby Conn added where you're at, a career at record. Washington's 4 6. Sam Howell's been excellent. Sam Howell's leading the league in passing yards. Aaron McLaurin's had a great year. Eric Enemy the first year as the Washington offensive coordinator, right? The are great. Maybe Kansas City does miss it a little bit. I refute at that point from even even some of the, the guys the edit one what on the great network if you expect. I think it, was, it might have been Devin who said that. Yeah, Devin, you may you may have had a point there uh, with the enemy. I may have to give you some makeup points. I don't know. But this one is not collecting the top is not a good man really drive to be most again as the in points in that game. Uh, you obviously trade a chase and get created monster players are gone. Uh, so they're in chambers to their secondary. But it's I'm gonna do as a quarterback, beat up offensive. Take one mark guy, he's, to, he's to be like, wait, get out of here. 27-15. Giants to will put together some decent drives. The commander's defense is a few analysis. They'll put together some decent drives. The commander's win, though, 27-15 over New York Giants. we on to the afternoon slate game. This is the East Coast. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. San Francisco 49ers, Niners, big favorite for home, minus 12, almost as big as Miami. So. San Francisco coming off with a highly impressive win off a of bye on the road against a team that at the time of the longest country in the league in the Jacksonville Jaguars. On the road, a western team, to eastern team of 20 Eastern and absolutely kicked them up. Hardy three. Hardy had a fast range of Darn 150. Evo Samuel was excellent. Brandon I.U., George Kittle. A great game first after he didn't score a touchdown but played well and Trent Williams impacted so, yeah, the, the the void that was left he was gone it was very much felt with him back in the lineup So Amber Bay coming off a big win last week right in the midst of that NFC South, which is obviously the worst division in football. Still, somebody's gonna get in. They're a half game back of the New Orleans Saints a four, uh, a four and five for you know, Baker, I dang it, I've never been a Baker guy. Uh, but I've really respected the fact that he's kind of mature a lot. He like every human being, oh, we get better, we improved. If we put the requisite work, and that is, Baker's certainly done that, I give like, a lot of love and credit for that. He's played pretty well. Uh, but this never seems Snyder's people. And I'll defend Baker in twenty twenty three. He's got Mike Evans, has a chance to have ten straight seasons. Could do it in this game. Ten straight seasons. Start his career of a thousand more lawyers he's going to meet. Of consistent wide right receiver position. Tampa Bay's got playmakers. Man, this Niners off the defense. Give me the 49ers, 31 to 14 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number 12 is a big, big, big line. I get that. give me the Niners, 31 to 14 over Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it is now time for Bryson's Bleak That is It is the one game every week that I have absolutely zero confidence predicting. But hey, got a call. That's what we do here on this show. It's AFC's battle: New York Jets, Buffalo Bills. And I, listen, Buffalo is a seven-point favorite. I, I this one was, this one was brutal. I, I went back and forth, back and forth on this all week. I have to finalize it today, and that's like, how no, I'm going to go. Both teams coming off of the loss. Both so, primetime. That's the tonight football. Offensive looks anemic. They have a score. I think I saw this stack correctly. In 37 straight offensive possessions, they've been it is the poor touchdown value. Pretty straight off. The has been awful. close uh, I, can yeah. I cannot imagine how demoralizing it is every week. If you want to hear the Steelers, like, just keep it close to the fourth quarter and the offense looks slow. They'll get going. Jets, it's like, keep it close, but we may be like a pick six or something to stay in the game. Sauce Gardner, DJ, somebody's have to make a play. One of the Williams brothers. You have to have somebody come in and make something happen. So, it's demoralizing, And you got the Buffalo Bills coming off of a gut wrenching loss last week against the Denver Broncos. Twelve men on the field had four turnovers uh, in that football game against Denver. So, struggled throughout uh, the twelve men on the field with the Denver Broncos. Mulligan at the game when he still go with the first and he hit. The left hit at the very end. The Broncos were good uh, Bills. sitting get five and five. with Cardinals up to get the league down the stretch. This team just... Part of the tough, hard schedule starts with the team, but they just lost to Week One. Now struggled with turnovers in that game. Uh, and, I, and again, I love Josh Bill's fan. A Bills fan was getting on me on uh, on YouTube in the comments. And then, hey, don't write off Josh Allen. Never wrote off Josh Allen. I, I love the guy. Love the guy. But I do think there are some aspects of the game that aren't repeatable, uh, or not aren't repeatable, aren't sustainable if the Bills look repeatable. If we are not going to, we are not even in the playoffs. You're upping all that for the season. This is why I think that I don't have a bit of confidence in uh in predicting this football game. I think Josh Allen, Bill's office, uh, Gabe Davis may have a big game, Stephon Diggs is frustrated, he understands why. I will grit my teeth, close my eyes, literally close my eyes right here in five. I will take you up to the day. Day three, 12, over New York Cuts. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna get a, anything going offensively. That being the Jets, I think there's going to be some drive to stall for the Bills. I can see a couple turnovers by Zach Wilson putting the Bills in short field position and they cash in with Josh Allen through the air and on the crowd. We got a comment here from Patrick Brown. He says, When my Cowboys are double-digit favorites against lower-tier teams, it's a prolonged day of anxiety and S reflex Boys of being a Cowboys fan. Yeah, listen, Patrick. I I listen last week. And there were some Cowboys fans, like, oh, watch out for the Giants. Said, you don't watch out for the Giants at all. But Tommy DeVito's at quarterback. You're going to destroy the Giants. And of course, he did. Again, I think they'll cover. I have 31-17 over the Panthers. I think they'll cover. The way Carolina's defense is playing since the bye, Be careful ultimate trap game. They're looking ahead. Washington Thanksgiving. Commanders are probably going to beat the Giants and beat them soundly. Commanders are playing well offensively. Like, that's the game the Cowboys. Washington is big one Thanksgiving Day. Highly rated game on CBS. Uh, but I will take Dallas too, to win the Carolina Cardinals. Moving on. Seattle Seahawks, LA Rams. This was a tough one, too. This was almost a classic game. So, Seahawks are coming in on the road as a one-point favorite. So, you Smith played very well last week the Washington. Commanders He's uh, he struggled with turnovers and games leading up to that against Baltimore and against Cleveland. Litler clean that up and Metcalf. Examin Jiggly company. Tyler Lockett, who might be the most really receiver in the league, I'm just gonna go to that out right now. Uh, all three of them contributed at a very high level. Running games are good. Offensive line is playing better to be healthier at the stage of the season. The Rams though, kinda of great. Six. Staffords hurt, but coming off of the bye. That's my rule. Coaches, great coaches at least, come off of the bye. I have a little bit of an advantage. Ramps, week one went to Seattle. stopped the you know One of their three wins this year. Stafford played great. That was like the first game where we we're like, "Who's this Puka Nakua?" Oh, this kid's really good. At the time, he was firmly in the offensive player of the year, uh, offensive rookie of the year race. Uh, that, of course, that's going to be won likely unanimously by Stroud. Although, question, I think that Puka um, is going to be voted second or third in that running. He's having a great year. Uh, that's Stafford's coming back from injury, though. If the Rams and quarters. they say, find us. No, it's, good. it's good to going to the ball. It doesn't seem to be grimacing or be It doesn't seem to be uncomfortable. With that thumb, no, oh, I think it's going to be a, you know, a little bit of a trap game for the Seahawks as well. They got a game against San Francisco on Thanksgiving coming up. I'm going to I'm gonna take the upset minor off up, uh, their one-point off. At home, I'm going to take the Rams. Oh, that's the wrong graphic. I apologize. Right, uh, one after. Hang on, y'all. 26-24 Seahawks, not the right one. Okay, 26-24 Rams. There we go. 26-24 Rams over the Seattle Seahawks. Big loss for Seattle. Dallas, whenever Carolina jumps into the wild card race, Seattle loses. When the Rams win, they're pouring themselves head above water in the, in the, end of the wild card race. Last game, last the game at least. Just is the Vikings, Denver Broncos. It's a Great day of football. Be cap with the doozy. still Denver at home minus. Two and a half, a two and a half points favorite. So I don't know what to do with this game. Minnesota's playing great football, especially the d five. They've had in this winning streak. Quarterback, Airz and Choice, quarterback, Francis Quebec quarterback, get replaced by rookie Darren Hall, who very early on in his first NFL start. He's replaced by this guy, what was his name? What was his name y'all? He came for the Browns, played for the Cardinals. Played at the University of Tennessee all before the NFL an he's a Aerospace engineer major. His name is Robert Joshua Dobbs. They see what he's been doing the last few weeks. Five touchdowns accounted for, three through the air, two on the ground in uh, the last couple of games in this bike. It's playing well for Minnesota, no question about it. Ah, uh, Denver. Uh, there's nothing. we laugh at Denver here, okay? One and five. Huh? Russell Wilson really is washed. Tom uh, Payton can't go tomorrow. Sky's falling in Denver. But and winning streak. Pretty impressive wins in that streak. Kansas City at home. Beat the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's not as good this year as they are in years past, but on the road, that's an impressive win. Running game's working. Tomontae Williams, Russell Wilson, look at his numbers. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league this season. I'll say Russell's in the MVP discussion because he's not, but Russell's been efficient, accurate, the running game. Again, Russell's not the player he was in Seattle. With the running game, with a much better production at the, in the offensive line, John Payton, one of the greatest coaches ever, one of the greatest offensive coaches ever, is putting him in position to be successful. Marco's defense has played great football. Excuse me, they're turning the football over, they're great in the red zone for the last few weeks. So, I like Denver's chances in this game. But, Justin Jefferson returns. The Vikings have made this pull off five-game winning streak with no J.J., with no Justin Jefferson. So, him back with Robert, Josh, Hobbs doing what he's doing. Get episode of Vikings... 27 to 23 over the Denver Broncos. I don't think this would be a death meal to Denver's season. They still have a lot of winnable games down the stretch. I get why their favorite two and a half feels like the perfect line. Take Minnesota in the points and take Minnesota to win outright. Give me the Vikings extend their winning streak six for who I don't know if he gets credit for the win because Jaron Hall started the game against Atlanta, but to essentially extend his own winning streak three. Minnesota firmly. In the wildcard conversation, they jump Seattle, get to that sixth spot-ish, and win 27-23 over the Denver Broncos. Man, we got some fun games. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Fun weekend of college football. Like I said, going to be in Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Tennessee, Knox Vegas, and then come home Sunday for some fantastic NFL action. Going to be a great weekend. Thanksgiving's next week maybe you're traveling and we're having some fun Thanksgiving action for carving up live. No doubt about it. Stay tuned for that next week, especially on Wednesday day before Thanksgiving day before Turkey day. Going to be fun. But with that, that is all the time for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch carving it up live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter, as well as the carving it up YouTube channel and the grid network YouTube channel. Of course, be sure to like share comment, and take two seconds out of, out of your day, if you will. Take, hit that big subscribe button. The big red subscribe button, rather. Helps the channel grow exponentially. Again, trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58. That is February the 11th. So we've still got about three months to do so. Uh, but we need your help to, to, to do it. We surpassed 500 subscribers last week. We're getting halfway to getting to, to 600. Between five and 600 uh, subscribers. So I can't thank you all enough for the support, for, for, for reaching out. Um, it's been fantastic. Whether y'all agree or disagree with what I say on sports, it's, I always love the dialogue. And and, and, and as long as it's obviously civil and respectful, I always love and appreciate it and invite invite it and welcome it. So I thank you for that. If you have subscribed, thank you so, so much. Please tell your friends, your family, everybody you know about the show and to subscribe. If you have it, it just takes a couple seconds. If you're on YouTube watching right down there, I always get it wrong. There you go. Right there. The... Yeah, right there. The, the the one that says subscribe, the red one, hit that. Boom. You're part of the Carving Up family. Also, just as important, please go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. We have some fantastic content creators on there. Please check their stuff out. And I'm my man, Devin. Ravens fan. I'm a Steelers fan. He's very happy about what the Ravens did last night. There you go. Check out the stuff on the grid, though, please. Some awesome people. Awesome content on there. All right. Another great weekend of football. Cannot wait. I'm going to be I'm saying say Rain Dakota Prescott on Monday. Robert Joshua Dobbs on Monday. And who knows? Uh, maybe something crazy will happen, and I'll be celebrating a big orange win over the number one team in America. Not saying I'm counting on it. But I'm not saying I'm... Not counting on it. Just going to leave that there. All right. Have a great weekend, y'all. Stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And as I always say, please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Have to, have to address it. Okay. Fun week of football. Got some basketball and Otani news out the wazoo as we talked about in the show. Fun, fun stuff. Great time in sports. Thanksgiving coming up. So see you all on Monday. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace up. Do I still have time to revise my Tennessee-Georgia score, or is that out of the question? Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grid Network.